Welcome to the Vein Magazine Podcast with Dr. Steve Elias, also known as Vein Specialist Sitting Around, Talking, and Having Drinks. Episode number five, The Improving Wisely Quality Collaborative. Dr. Steve Elias is joined by Dr. Margaret Mann, Chair of the Improving Wisely Project with the American Vein and Lymphatic Society and AVLS President, Dr. Marlon Schull. What is the Improving Wisely Project? How is it being applied to the vein specialty? And what were the results of the 2018 pilot program? Stay tuned. So a couple of vein specialists sitting around having drinks talking. Unfortunately, the drinks are not alcoholic at this point. Margaret Mann is with us, who is the author of a recent article in Vein Magazine about the Improving Wisely campaign and uh, from ACP. But Margaret, what are you drinking? I am having Zen tea. Zen. Okay. Is it making you Zen? Yeah, I'm very Zen-like. I'm very calm and collected. You are calm and collected. Speaking of calm, Marlon, <laughs> Mr. Relaxation, <laughs> what are you drinking here? Uh, just an ice cold water. Ice cold water. Okay. Very refreshing. Yes. And I'm having some tea, which, what was it that I had? Well, I chai. had the chai tea, right. Okay, so we're all sitting around having drinks, talking. We're really, what we're speaking from the, uh, the annual ACP, American College of Phobology meeting, which is at the uh, Gaylord Palms Hotel, or shall we say complex, or Biodome. nation, or whatever, town. Um, it's a facility that's really nice, but... Uh, have you been outside yet, Marlon? Uh, just once. F- really outside or in once. the fake outside? No, once. Uh, very first day. Uh, otherwise, you don't have to, really. Everything's really right here on site. They fool you into thinking you're outside. Nor can, do you want to go outside. It takes you about half an hour to go from one place to another. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we're all inside here speaking. And one of you has got to tell the listeners what, in the shorts, what the Improving Wisely pilot program is or what the how it was how about how it was conceived who was the conceptualization of this who did it um so last year at the acp meeting we were talking about ethical standards and about overutilization the fact that there are that we all see um physicians doing ablations eight per limb various things were it's not the best way to treat our patients. And we said, what can we do as a society to reduce overutilization? And in my specialty of dermatology, um, improving wisely um, has helped reduce utilization of Mohs surgery. And so I thought this would be a great project to bring to ACP to try to reduce the um, utilization of thermal ablation codes in our group. So that's kind of where it came from. Um, and it's been a great project for us. And I think it should hopefully make a big impact in our world. Well, we hope so. And our incoming president of the ACP, Marlon Schull, what do you think about how our members might respond to, to and we're going to get into some of the data that Improving Wisely has, but, but how do you think they're, they will respond to data telling them kind of Tell them what you're going to what what the data they're going to get from improving wisely. Well, everyone is going to get an individualized report, helping them understand what their utilization rate is per patient. Now, this is the number of uh, procedures performed per patient that had thermal procedures over the course of 2017. 
this is this is what the claim space data shows. This means these procedures were performed, and from that standpoint, it should be a fairly reliable metric. What's not known is the disease severity with these patients. So if someone looks at this and they find that they're an outlier, but they operated in a wound clinic, my guess is they're going to be doing more of these procedures because they tend to have a bigger burden of disease. So it's an education tool is what it's used for. All right. Now, we, we had already another one of these podcasts with actual drinks, people discussing how we use data. And uh, as a matter of fact, that's the uh, main lead article for the Vein magazine uh, for this most recent issue. But how is what data are you, where are you getting your data from, from which to make the conclusions that you're going to be sending out? Where, where is this data coming from? So this is publicly available data um, from the CMS. So we all know, and, and this is all captured by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, we know how many ablations each physician's performing. What's great about Improving Wisely is because this is a joint project with Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and Johns Hopkins, they actually have real-time data. So um, we all, if you log into the CMS website, you can get each physician's data on you know, an Excel sheet, which is like probably 100 megabytes, so it's hard to download. But you can actually get that data out there. The problem with that is it's old data. So it's from 2013, 2014. This is real-time data. And what we've done is we've been able to um, isolate each physician and specifically how many ablation per limb. So it's all out there, but I think what's powerful about this isn't just to say what the average is, but what each physician is doing, right? So I think, number one, we want to figure out what the benchmark is. What is the average? But the, more importantly is where is each physician in relation to that benchmark? And where are we on the curve? So there have been great studies out there that show the importance of peer comparison feedback. So the whole idea is you're not just trying to figure out what the middle is, but we want to figure out what each person's mid, what each person is in relation on the curve, mm -hmm. because then we're all competitive. We all want to be like the number one. So hopefully, and, and the goal is to allow us to do that, to move toward the middle. All right. So each physician is going to get information. Now, are you all going to know, whoever's looking at the data, what that physician's name is? Yeah, so what's... Well, you know what, Margaret? Yes. Oh. How about Marlon? Yeah. <laughs> See, Marlon is very polite, everybody. He's, yeah, he's always he's quiet. He doesn't like to jump <laughs> in on things. And sometimes I'm not sure if, if I'm offending him when I'm speaking because he doesn't say anything oh, or he's no. just being quiet. So jump in here, I Margaret. tell you what, Margaret's got a lot of experience with this, and so I was just going to let her take the lead. But the reality is this is all confidential data. Although you can get this on the public domain, the purposes of this, uh, nobody on the Physician Engagement Council uh, sees any names. Right. And you're doing this. The, the data is going out to members of the ACP. It's not going out to every single person in the country that's doing ablations in the CMS system. It, it is going out to others that are not ACP members. Really? Yes, sir. Yeah, so this, as part of the CMS data, we actually have their billing location and all of that. So we are going to be able to give a report to every physician who all do more than 10 ablation per year. All right, and, and you're couching this under the aegis of the ACP? Yes, and the Improving Wisely Project. So this is, again, a national 
organization that does this in many other societies. So the American College of Cardiology, um, you know, many other, the gastroenterology group, um, they all have similar project. Um, and the goal is, again, to allow physicians to get peer feedback to, you know, help them figure out a way to get toward uh, reduced variability. So you're, you're hoping to change physicians' practice patterns based upon giving them knowledge how they compare it to others. Correct. Correct. Yes. Okay, so that's that's the main thing. And you said there obviously is data in the dermatology world, there's data that this changes patterns. Mm -hmm. We know in the arterial world from the SVS, VQI, that, that changes patterns as well. Has there been any pushback from any in any of these, if you know of it, event in any of these areas where some physicians say, hey, what what the hell are you looking at my my information for? Has there been any pushback from anybody? Or? So in the most college, it was actually very well received. Actually, all physicians, I mean, there was not. So I actually talked to the organization quite a bit, um, you know, in the, um, in the council there. I think there's power with knowledge, right? I think, yeah, are there some physicians who are outliers who may go, you know, well, I know the reason why I'm doing this because, you know, but I think there's something about reflection that even though you're higher up, um, that perhaps you kind of think about it and you figure out, hey, you know, why am I an outlier? And I, I think it's, again, this is not punitive. It's not meant to change credentialing. It's not meant to change, you know, how you practice um, other than a personalized confidential report to show where you are compared to your peers. Go ahead. Well, I think it's also important to how you define an outlier, okay, yeah. because the curve is the curve. And the way the outliers have traditionally been identified is two standard deviations from the mean. So when you take that, that means that there's not going to be there's not going to be a ton of true outliers, but it is going to give everybody a sense of where they stand in relation to the curve. And from that standpoint, uh, this has been a hot topic, as you know. We've yeah. been talking about it for years. Instead of having a punitive way to identify these patients, it was more about trying to help them under, understand whether or not they may be under scrutiny based upon their utilization patterns. What What is the, do you have the average that you came up, up with, yeah. ablations? So it's 1.9, and then the, right, which is what you guys found too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then the median was 1.7. So, I mean, that data is out there. So yeah. no doubt that's, that's what we found. But again, I think the power of this is to look Let at individual, right, and right. where you're on the curve. So um, we looked at, um, if you look at everybody outside or greater than 10 ablation, the total number was uh, 2,642 physicians. Out of, out of how many? That's how many physicians do you? more than 10 ablation. Oh, okay, I'm yep. sorry. Thought, and on, then out on of Medicare patients. Medicare, on Medicare mm -hmm. patients, right. So 2,642 physicians qualify as doing more than 10 ablation. And then of those that are greater than two standard deviation, there's about 106. So that is, do the math with me. What percentage would you call are, are outliers? 2000 so less over, than 5%. Right, less than 5%. Yeah. Right. So it really isn't a big number, right? Yeah. Um, but what's also incredible is, at least with the MOS data, we find that even those who are not um, outliers, who are maybe just one standard deviation above the mean, if you track their performance over time, they all gradually move back to the mean. Um, and that's the power of it, right? Because yeah. if we know that there's overutilization, whether it's a little bit or a lot, I think it allows us to reflect on it and say, what can I do to improve my practice? No, I, I think it's excellent. Are you thinking of 
um, or can you, once you kind of show how the this changes practice patterns with the uh, CMS population, Medicare population, uh, I would think your next step would be to go to the private carriers who have the data as well. Yeah, that's always a bit tougher to do. But I mean, if we can capture that, that would be great. I think, interestingly, um, again, this has been shown in other society. If you look at Medicare's data, it's pretty representative of what happens in private. You know, because someone who's an outlier isn't going to only be an outlier per se in Medicare. So you could look at private data, but I think this is pretty good. Now, what we are looking to do in the future is to look at other metrics. So this is the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, thermal ablation per limb or per patient. Next step could be things like the number of ultrasound you do and then how many of those go on to get endovenous ablation or ulcer patients and how many of those get treatment. So, and then deep venous disease, we haven't even explored that. So there's a lot of possibility for us in this data. Yeah, no, and, and I think, again, the, the main theme of the, of the recent uh, Vein magazine is, you know, the power of data and and how it can help us to hopefully decrease the overuse and at times abuse of, of any any vein procedure at all. What I see and, and and I've approached a number of the private carriers in our area, as well as uh, Tony Gasparis has approached those in his area of New York and mine in New Jersey, giving them what the average number of ablations are per limb and and they can use that data to at least look at those people that are in their system that are outliers as well. And again, just letting them know that we're, we're looking at you and giving them the information. And I think this is, is an excellent way of, of subtly and nicely, without being punitive in the beginning, of hopefully changing people's patterns. And there's no reason to think, as you're saying, from other uh, from the dermatology world and stuff, that it's not going to happen. It will happen. Absolutely. And, and I mean, face it, I think um, Medicare private carriers are all looking to reduce how much they're spending. If we don't find a way to do it ourselves and figure out a way to minimize our utilization, they're going to come and give us regulations and things. So I think this is a great way for us to say, hey, these are normal benchmarks, where are you at? And as a group, figure out a way to reduce our use before they come after us, regardless of whether we want to or not. Right. Now, where, I mean, what's the lag time? What's the lag time to changing people's patterns? So when when in the Mohs surgery thing, when you sent out the information, how long did it take for you to see a change in practice patterns? So they actually saw it within one to two years. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much we had our initial, I, I could be wrong with the year, we had the initial data in 2015, but by even 2016, they saw a drop. And interesting with the Mohs College, they um, only sent it to members and they were able to look at the data between members and non-members. And I think the word got out, Uh um, and we know what the average is now. So what they saw was actually a dip, not just in members, but also non-members in reducing their patterns. Now, are you thinking of getting this data out? Because the more data we have published or presented at various meetings, the more people will become aware of this. I mean, we've published our data regarding the Medicare database from 2012 to 2015, and and now you have the more uh, real-time data and stuff. Are you plan on doing this at some point? Yes. We are writing the manuscript as we speak. So no, you're not writing as you speak. You're talking to me as you speak. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ruminating in my mind. But yes, yeah, we are 
we're hoping to get it all published before hopefully the end of the year. Oh, okay, good. Because, I mean, that's it's really going to help us. Now, you're going to roll this out. Today is day one of the uh, ACP meeting. When are you letting our members know what's going yeah, on? Yeah, so it's going to be right after the meeting. The reports are being printed as we speak. So we wanted to be able to come here and introduce the project. You yeah, know, aren't you going to be introducing yeah. it at the meeting? Exactly. So yeah. we'll be there tomorrow. That's what I wanted to right, so um, And then after that, pretty much in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sending out the letters. How many people are helping you write this thing? The letters? No, not the letters. The ones you get about the data, about the article. Ah, so um, the Improving Wisely group, um, there's several folks on there that have been instrumental in helping us with this. Marlon and I are both on the paper and then the Improving Wisely group. So. Where is this Improving Wisely group? They of? are based in, at Johns Hopkins. So yeah. Okay, they're at Hopkins. Yeah, they're at Hopkins. So um, the... the um, Marty... Marty uh, McCary is actually the brainchild of this. Yes. Um, he is actually phenomenal. So um, he has been interested in transparency and the whole idea of big data for a long time. Um, he's actually a um, surgeon at Hopkins, um, and he's kind of the guy who thought of, you know, how do we look at benchmark and how do we do peer comparison? So it's been, I, I met him at our Mo's College and um, thought it would be a great project for us. So. No, I, I, I mean, I think it's great. And, you know, we're all looking for, for two things. One, obviously, to change the patterns of people who are not doing things correctly. But two, trying to use the data for our members and members of other societies that, that are doing the right thing, so to speak, to continue to be able to take care of patients who have the problem. And as you already said, the only way we're going to prevent insurance companies from having the knee-jerk reaction of we don't understand what's going on, we're just going to stop paying. Yep. Before that becomes an alternative, we need to show them the data and show that it changes people's you know, practice patterns. How can we get a better insight in working relationship with the payers themselves, with the data? Do we just show them the data or do we volunteer to help them understand how they can utilize this data within their own cohort of physicians that are treating venous disease? Yeah, I mean, I think first off is getting the data out there. Um, I mean, I would be happy to help, you know, payers figure out how they can, how the data translate into their individual patient population. Yeah, I mean, I think both are, I, I would love to collaborate with them. I think anything we can do to improve vein care without reducing or without increasing regulation, I think it's important. So rather than that knee-jerk reaction of saying, well, if everyone's doing too much, let's not cover anything. Right. To how do we best cover the patients that we need to treat? Does um, so? How about the deep system? I mean, I think we should tackle that as well. I agree. You know, Give me some ideas. What should we do? Because Marlon and I was just thinking about that. So well, I'm not a deep system person. So you no, tell but me. it's, it's, a, it's what, a data the, driven. I do mean, you think it's stents? What do you think? Number of stents? Yeah, I think it's n- number of patients that that. Number of stents, not number of stents per patient. Right. Number, number of patients stented, because many times when you stent an iliac vein, you're going to use more than one stent. So Correct. that's not that's not a fair a fair way of doing it. But you need to get the denominator, and that's something that we don't have even in the um, in the superficial world. So in other words, what percentage of patients that are seen are okay. should appropriately be treated versus you know if one practice is seen. Uh, whatever number of patients, and they're 
treating 90% of them, you and I both know that's off the off the chart. Right. Um, should they be seen ostensibly, you know, 100 patients and 50 of them ultimately wind up having some procedure? Should it be 40? Should it be 55%? So can that data be gotten from this so database? We can. Yeah, we can. So the nice part is you can actually look at ICD-10 codes specifically yeah. um, and using that as the denominator and then the number of procedures as the numerator. But specifically for stenting, is there a specific code that's frequently used to identify all those patients? Because that's what we Well, really if need. they use iliac vein <laughs> stenosis, yes. Or, but I agree with you. It would be a little bit harder because um, ICD-9 is, can be all over the, the board. So it may be a little bit tougher with the stenting. But we, we know that there's going to be more and more abuse of stenting or deep venous interventions the more people move it out of the hospital system with, with not being being looked at. But I think we should delve a little deeper since 80% of people that we see wind up having superficial disease. I think you should try and get a little more of the denominator yeah. um, to get a better idea as to what's going on. So you can see which people are also outliers regarding the percentage of people they treat who they see. Yeah. So one thing we could do, and, and we're looking into this as that second stage, which is the number of patients who have ICD-10 that identifies right. them as, you know, varicose veins, you know, the right. whole gamut of codes, and then looking to see how many of them then, what percentage go on to get a new venous ablation. So that's that's kind of yeah, our... Or, so, or any kind of intervention. Yep, exactly. Yeah, or yeah. sclero or phlebectomy right. or any No, I think that would be a great thing for people to, to know as well, because not everybody treats venous disease with endovenous ablation. They may decide they're going to do some sclerotherapy or, mm -hmm. or phlebectomy or something like that. So, I mean, I think this is a great a great step, and it's, it's the beginning. And hopefully the more data we have, the more we'll let the uh, payers know as well that we, we're looking at this too. And we're trying to change practice so that they don't have to just say, you know, forget it. I'm just not covering C2 disease because we can't get a handle on it. I think this is a great way to get a handle. And I think, you know, you, Marlon, and, and the whole, uh, you know, Improving Wisely team, is uh, you're on the right track. Thank you. So thank you for being here. We finished our tea and because it's very cold in this room. And uh, we'll move on to bigger and better things. Thanks again, Marlon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. This episode was made possible by Incredible Marketing, a worldwide leader in digital marketing for physicians. Visit them at incrediblemarketing.com and the all-new WebMD Enhanced Physician Directory. Learn about the Internet's largest physician network at webmdprofile.com. We'd love to have your thoughts on the Vein Podcast. Review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Just search for Vein Magazine with Dr. Steve Elias.